Please hold for Armchair Adventurer. That's not the kind of podcast we are. The mailbox is full and cannot accept any messages at this time. Goodbye. That sounded good. Okay, good. I'm glad that sounded good to you. Ooh, oh, never mind. That's not a problem. Um, <laughs> I forget. Like, no, I don't even need to explain. But nothing, nothing's wrong. All right. Um, I guess I'm gonna start out just right out of the gates. This is gonna be a little bit of a break in the trend of previous episodes. Uh, this is gonna be armchair classical, <laughs> um, because it's just Dan and I. Hey. Greg is off, uh, <clears throat> I don't know, BMX biking, biking or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, You might perceive that as an insult. I, I intended it as such. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't remember what Paul's doing. I think he's off with his girlfriend or something. I don't know if I'm even supposed to divulge that information. I didn't even know he had a girlfriend. See, but th- that, <sighs> it's just like what we were talking about last night, Dan. Yeah. I'm I think he just forgot. Thousand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the other stark difference in this episode is that it's just, it's, I got two itty bitty little topics. Um, <clears throat> I was, I was kicking around the word appetizers in my head at work earlier. <laughs> uh, so this is going to be from the small plates menu. This episode, dude, your work brain comes up with some of the greatest trademarks of all time. Well, just standing in the cooler for hours, you know, <laughs> it's it a little. Um, but before we get into the topics, I thought maybe maybe I'd give us a little more padding of time. I've got two questions that I want to ask you for me. Yeah, uh, just kind of hypotheticals. Okay. The first one is if you could own any country to be your private property, it would you would be the only person there. Oh, or whoever all of else the citizens are gone. There's nobody yes. else there. What are you taking? <sighs> Man, that's tough because, I mean, for a lot of reasons, but mostly because usually if you ask people like, hey, what's your favorite country or what country do you want to visit? It's like because of like cultural things. Things yeah. <laughs> having to do with there being population. But now it's just like landscape, basically. Um, yeah, pretty much. I'm going to go with New Zealand. That's a very good answer. Thank <clears throat> you. What about you? Uh, Indonesia. Oh, yeah, that's good. A lot of cool volcanoes, jungles. You could do a lot of boating, probably. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, the second question. If there was one thing that you like restricted at areas, what is the one you would like to go into the most? Something that you will never in your life be able to visit, but in this scenario, you could. Wow. Great A questions today. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh. Um, nah. All right. Yeah, I'll just go for it. Well. i'm between two and i'll tell you both but the one that i'm going with is um wherever the largest storage facility is for the smithsonian museums okay just wherever whatever giant warehouse they have underneath dc or out in the middle of nowhere virginia i want the keys you know what is incredible is um my answer is somewhere they go in uh, you know like the movie the da vinci code yeah in the sequel angels and demons they go into the vatican archives which is mine oh, yeah nice yeah. and then in the follow-up book the lost symbol they go to the smithsonian the, nice. the huge warehouse the smithsonian has oh well, i gotta read so that that's, that's kind of cool have you ever read any of those <laughs> we, books uh yeah i've read all of them oh okay so they're they're good reads well, it's interesting because I, I read Angels and Demons first and I loved it. And then I started reading more of them and it became kind of clear that I was not like exactly the target audience because 
the way that Dan Brown writes about the main character, Robert Langdon, mm-hmm. is like it feels like it was meant to be a love interest for like middle-aged women reading the books. <laughs> Cuz in The Lost Symbol, there's like it's like a full page describing his morning routine including like grinding up artisanal coffee beans with a hand grinder and <laughs> you know going swimming for two hours and he's got a very toned body going into a lot uh, of detail about that <laughs> but i i i was really into the like symbolism and you know yeah. mystery so they're they're great for that but right. uh i'll still definitely check them out i'll add them to the list my other place yeah. was the situation room in the white house Ooh, that'd be a good one yeah that'd be very good but then Is i that thought the where there's what? Is that the room where there's the is that where the picture is when they were taking out Osama and it's like yeah. you know, Obama and Hillary they're all like staring at the monitor yeah. really intently? I believe so, yes. Okay. Um but I, wish, I, I, wish I decided look- not to go with that one because I feel like it would wear off. You know? You, like I I could explore the Smithsonian archives till I died and beyond. But uh-huh. situation room atmosphere might I don't know. Yeah, yeah. If you saw what was on the screen, might yeah, me out a little might bit. speed me to my death. Yeah, <laughs> accelerate <laughs> it. I wish I wish the Situation Room looked a little more like uh, Doctor Strange Love, the the war room. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The big round table with the yeah. low lights, like the low hanging lights. Yeah, yeah, I wish. I guess that one picture of the Situation Room during the Bin Laden raid. Uh, I guess it doesn't show like what they were looking at, but right. I I want the situation room to look l- exactly like the situation like it does in the West Wing, which oh I finally got Chelsea to start watching it, so I've been watching it with her, and uh, you know have, you've seen it right? Not I, the only thing I've seen is that it's the scene where they're getting talked to about the Mercator projection map. Oh yeah. Okay. Good. Classic. Um, Chelsea hasn't seen that one yet, but I'm excited for that moment. But no, it's, it's like a very dimly lit room with like Oak wood paneling everywhere, big leather chairs around this long table with, you know, a dozen screens at one end and it's like a red telephone on the wall that every once in a while, you know, the president gives a go order on some mission and this this uh, military officer reaches over to the phone in the wall and just starts talking. It's really intense. You know, it's probably a little more common knowledge than I think, but <clears throat> just with the nature of this podcast, I think it's worth mentioning. If you're not familiar with like the distinction between Mercator projection and some of the other projections, definitely look into that because... Oh, yeah. The Mercator really inflates everything close to the poles, I think. So, for instance, I think, Dan, when we had that world map in our apartment mm-hmm. in Ames, didn't we find out, like, Green Greenland looks like it's almost the size of Africa, but it's actually just the size of, like, the Democratic Republic of the Congo? Yeah, it, yeah. It's and Canada insane. is still huge, but Canada looks enormous mm-hmm. on the Mercator map. It looks like... Yeah, it's it's bigger than like the entire all the land masses on the southern hemisphere. Like, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It but when you do when you look at two different map projections, it's such a drastic difference. And yeah. then when you it, dig into like when you dig into when you, when you read into a little bit of like why there are different projections and which ones we use more often and schools and stuff it gets pretty morbid oh how do you mean oh well like so mercator projection what are the land masses that are made to look even larger than they actually are well most of europe so like right okay and and what it does is it sort of changes the center of the globe like not literally where zero degrees, zero degrees is, but just visually where the center is. It it looks like in a Mercator projection, Europe is way closer to the center when in reality it's like 
the southern edge of the Saharan desert in Africa. Like it's not. Oh, okay. I mean, maybe not that far south, but it's in Africa. Like, but Mercator projection really makes it look like Europe is just straight up in the center of the globe. And it's just, it just harkens back to like, you know, colonialism and who made the maps and stuff like that. It is also tough. There isn't really an awesome way to actually show it on a flat Mm. without doing, if you're doing flat, you basically have to do that thing that looks like an appealed orange. Yeah. I'm looking at it right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Otherwise you you gotta use a globe Mm -hmm. if you really want to see the, what everything looks like. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's hard to look at the whole peeled orange look. The, Uh yeah, it doesn't really look like you're looking at the, at the the world you live in. Homolozine projection. Homolozine. You know, I meant to, I meant to ask you this at the top just because I was going to, I was going to ask, uh, what you've been up to lately. And I was going to ask just because I was going to tell you that I, I bought some paraffin wax today and I finally redipped the mouthpiece of my didgeridoo. Yes. <laughs> and it's, it's, I think it's better now than it was when I first got it. Oh, know? I'm sure. Cause I'm sure you didn't skimp. Like when you bought it, that might've had the cheap stuff, but, uh, yeah, probably. I mean, you know what? Here. Why don't I give you a little sampling? <laughs> yes. Put let the me, mic uh, right up to the... <laughs> yeah, let me put this in the mic stand real quick. Ladies and gentlemen, Kane Smith on the didgeridoo. Light applause. How's that for you? <laughs> oh, no, dude. That didn't come through at all. At all, really? No, no. that's embarrassing. I, I even I, I, teed you up. I had an introduction, and it, uh. <laughs> well, it's, it's crazy because it was it was picking up on. Um, oh, you know what? Maybe it was maybe Discord couldn't handle it. Let me see if. Oh, it's, okay. Well, if it was on I'll Audacity, I'll, I'll hear it when I listen to the episode. <laughs> Hopefully, the timing's good. You'll have to investigate yeah. that. Thirteen we'll minutes. <laughs> yeah. I guess we should get started, huh? Yeah, I suppose. So let me start far off from the topic what do you know about observatories uh nothing um beyond than the very nature of them yeah that's it like big telescopes but you do of course know that they come telescopes come in several different kinds right um yes but only that fact i could not tell you anything about different kinds of microscopes or telescopes yeah the opposite (laughs) Of a microscope. Off to a good start. <laughs> Why don't they call telescopes macroscopes? I guess because they used to telescope. Wait, no. Is the act of telescoping, as it, like as a verb, is that because of telescopes? It must be, right? Yeah, because of Would, the act of like opening up, right? Okay. Yeah. Sure. We'll, <laughs> we'll stick with that. Now, <clears throat> regular optical telescopes if you're doing an observatory generally speaking you'd want to get they're usually up on like mountains you know yeah or hills just because you want to be as far away from artificial light as possible so that Uh, you can get the most amount of on you know undiluted light yeah i didn't even think of that i was thinking like cloud cover but that makes way more sense the same is true for radio telescopes but not for light. Do you know what radio telescopes are? Uh, is it like, you know what? No. Why don't you just explain it? I, you know, I guess I could get like a more, uh, I could look one up. But basically, if you've ever seen, the, for instance, the very large array where they're just like giant satellite dishes. Oh, okay. Have you ever seen those? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or maybe, maybe a picture of the one there's some in like China or. Like it doesn't look like there's a lens in there at all. Not at all. It's, it's just like, a giant you, dish. What are you catching sound? You radio waves, yeah. And uh, sometimes they're just like embedded in the earth. I don't know if you've seen any of those. Mm-hmm. It's a huge dish. I think uh, 007 Goldeneye took place at one, if you've seen that movie. Yeah, of course. Um, it's a map in one of the <clears throat> video games, too. Yeah, hell yeah. So the same is true for radio telescopes, but it's that you'd want to be away from radio interference as opposed to light so Mm. 
there is an area in it it is on the border of West Virginia, Virginia and Maryland called the National Radio Quiet Zone. Ooh. The area itself is pretty large, but it's as you get closer and closer to this telescope, it becomes seriously more restricted. But the whole area is 13,000 square miles. Oh, that's huge. Yeah, and at the at the center is the Green Bank Radio Telescope. It is the largest steerable radio telescope in the world. So not the largest all told, but since like some of them are uh, just embedded in the ground, they don't move ever. <laughs> yeah, they weren't really worried about how big it got. <laughs> yeah, but this this is one that can actually be aimed to listen to like, listen in quotes to different parts of the sky. Mm. Dude, and this is, is crazy. And, Sorry. No, what's just up? Real quick. Uh, I went to Google Maps, and all you get is like National Radio Quiet Zone reference point, which I assume maybe is like the last point you can be on like a public road before uh-huh. you get to it. It's like, it's like a, just a little bit of ways from this town called Harrisonburg, Virginia. Mm-hmm. And I got some terrible memories of that town harrisonburg virginia (laughs) really (laughs) i'm sweating just thinking about it once i saw it on the map what happened my parents and i when i was like i don't know maybe in sixth grade or something we drove from albany new york to atlanta georgia and we did it in two days and we were going to a wedding and we stopped over night in Harrisonburg, Virginia, because it's right along I-81. And uh, we tried like three or four different hotels, and they were all booked. And we found out at like the fourth hotel, they were like, oh, yeah, sorry, all the rooms are booked because of a cattle convention. (laughs) Which like for my family is like, you might as well have said like, you might as well have not even spoken English. Like we had never heard of such a thing in our lives, like, you know. So we're like, you got to be kidding me. And so we finally find a place, the Red Carpet Inn in Harrisonburg, Virginia, which... I'm going to guess that it's not as luxurious as it sounds. Not even close, dude. (laughs) It's a motel. And we go there and there's one room left. It's like 12 o'clock midnight. It's the jacuzzi suite. So my parents are like, all right, whatever. Like doesn't matter what it costs really at this point and the guy's like 90 bucks <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> yeah so it is not at all luxurious does should not be labeled the jacuzzi suite there is no jacuzzi get and out of town there's like mouse poop in the sheets there's like in the sheets in the sheets of the bed there were mice crawling around in the bed Ma- mouse poop like remnants Right, so a mouse had to be there. Oh, yeah, you're right. right. Yeah, at some point. So, and like the whole hotel is really nasty and like mildewy. And I don't even have a bed to sleep on. He said it was a pullout couch, but it was in fact just like a very tiny love seat with very hard hand (laughs) hand rests. And uh, so, night of sleep was terrible. We like, changed clothes in the morning and my mom literally put our clothes in a garbage bag (laughs) and sealed it and (laughs) my dad and i were like all right there's a continental breakfast like let's just go down hopefully it salvages the stay here so we get down to like the lobby lounge area and the so-called continental breakfast is just like a jug of orange juice a carafe of coffee and a dozen pack of donuts from Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> <laughs> and we go down there. There's like five guys just chilling all at separate tables. And it's like, okay, let's get the fuck out of this town. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a fucking nightmare. So, National Radio Quiet Zone. Yes. Um, <laughs> well, th- this dish, I didn't get... It was hard to see. I'm sure if I had actually searched, I could have found a picture that demonstrated the scale pretty well. But it is... The dish is as tall as the Washington Monument, and oh. the dish itself could fit two acres of land inside of it. Jeez. There is obviously staff that work there, but they, it is also pretty close to a town. I think 
I think the town of Greenbank or maybe Allegheny because it's in the Allegheny Mountains and also the Blue Ridge Mountains, which you may be familiar with. <laughs> um, but it is it is split up into five zones, basically, as you go outwards from the telescope. Okay. And I think I'm going to start at the least restrictive and work inwards, which is an audible I'm pulling right now because it is not typed up that way. But nice. I am a I'm a fool for. <laughs> excitement i guess so let me see if real quick first i gotta i gotta figure out if i should say this point i have first or work it in while um, you do that i just want you yeah. to know that this thing is easily viewable from space like google maps it's it's huge like you can't miss it if you're floating over the area just like this massive white circle in the middle of green oh really oh yeah man even oh, cool. even on like not even on the satellite version, but like the regular map version where you just see roads and stuff, you zoom in and there is still a white circle that they were like, This is too big, we gotta put something here. Yeah, I guess I'll I'll first, before we get to the zones, say just some some things that are restricted to use in this town that it would really stick out to you if you visited. Ooh. So for instance, no cell phones. What are they you? still have quite a few phone booths because of that. There is no broadcast television. You have to have cable. They're, the only radio stations that you can listen to are a one single AM radio station. I'm guessing because AM might not interfere with the, uh, with the telescope for whatever reason. Yeah, but and only few, one. <laughs> yeah, there's a few low-power FM broadcast translators, which I learned means they're not actually broadcasting from there it's another station is sending it to that station which is then rebroadcasting it out and oh. it's at very low power so you have to be close otherwise wow. it just fizzles out that's crazy dude how many people live in this town how many people accept those rules <clears throat> that's a good question let me you let said me it's called right green now. bank i think so green bank virginia oh West i do virginia. see it on the map 143 so not not very many but wow. you know it's more than just well I, actually i will say now there is uh a lot of people have made a pilgrimage to live there it's <laughs> these people who believe that they are hypersensitive to electromagnetic radiation they believe that they are uh you know it like clouds their mind and they can feel it and so they move there because it's the only place left on earth basically that isn't inundated with em oh my waves. god man that's like yeah, total those horseshit, are legitimately but... the tinfoil hat people right yeah yeah pretty much <laughs> wow now zone five is everything from the edges of the the square of the nrqz into the 20 mile there's a 20 mile radius okay where that's where zone four ends okay so anything outside of that is basically it's not that there are so much restrictions as there are everything is kind of carefully monitored to make sure if something gets too powerful it is taken care of swiftly wow now zones four and three are actually pretty similar all radio so for four and three all radio transmitters within 10 and 2 miles, respectively, are observed and recorded. And if they are strong enough, they go, you know, they start knocking on doors. Oh. <laughs> None of this is a legally, you, you know, there's no legal penalty, but the FCC can and does fine you if you don't cooperate. And so the, the way they find these is there's actually people on staff all day driving around in trucks that have... Um, radio detecting equipment on them <laughs> and they're just always driving around trying to triangulate where strong things are coming from that's awesome yeah <laughs> i mean sh i, I sure. would try it for a little while i guess i don't oh, know yeah that lifestyle yeah now the two miles to one mile is zone two and that is called the observatory building zone and in this area you no wi-fi is allowed uh, cordless phones are not allowed. They have to be wired telephones mm. plugged into the wall. 
all wireless equipment. No wireless mice, printers, stuff like that. Walkie-talkies. None of that is allowed. Certainly not. <laughs> and this one surprised me. Digital photography is not allowed. What? And there is, there is a very surprising one in Zone 1. Zone 1 is the radio astronomy instrument zone, and it didn't list an exact distance, but I'm assuming that's like just the, well, I guess that's one mile. mile in. In the, in the immediate area. No transmitters of any sort are allowed except for uh, emergency services equipment. And the other surprising thing is no unleaded gasoline vehicles. You can only <laughs> drive diesel vehicles. What? Because the spark plugs emit radio waves. Oh, my God. Can you believe that? Jesus. So, yeah... Not only can you not use all that stuff, if you're close enough, you're also restricted in what kind of car you can drive. I would have never <laughs> in a million years imagined that spark the plugs. spark plug in the engine was spitting out radio waves. Yeah. Now, I, God, Greg, if you're hearing this, please email us an explanation. He, he, is, he is pretty responsive. Did I tell you about when, do you remember, I, Jesus, I got to close my door. My roommate is screaming and coughing into his microphone. <laughs> um. <laughs> We were talking about, we, oh, it must have been in the Antarctica episode. Mm. I was trying to figure out what the constellation was that's on the Subaru logo. Yeah. the Like the day the episode came out, he texted me, it's, it's the Pleiades, you dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> okay, excellent. Well, I'm glad. Yeah, we'll, we, can, I, we can count on him to correct the record after the fact. <laughs> Even when he's not at the research desk, he's still operating in the field. Smarmy son of a bitch. Yeah, he really is. You know what? Yeah, <laughs> since it's... I only have the courage to bully you when we've got other people. So now that it's just you and me. Fuck Greg, fuck Paul. Um, two couldn't even commit to being here for 30 minutes out of a week. You believe that? Well, 30 no, minutes no, for kidding. now. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't care about the other stuff you said. Just the 30 minutes. I, that's the only thing I have a problem with. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Now that is that is uh that's pretty much it about the radio quiet zone. Well, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Who uses this thing? What's it for? You said there's just one dish there, right? There's only one telescope. Yes. So I guess let me see if I can find out because I'm guessing probably a multitude of whatever they need to. You know, they can do a lot. It, maybe it would have helped if I had done a little little bit of research on radio telescopes before. Well, or if I could try to try to remember my uh. Astronomy 150 uh, training. Uh, I remember you really enjoying that class. It was a cool class, but I know that they can be used to, they can use them for a lot of things, like sensing movement of bodies just because, mm. you know, the they can track the movement of radio waves or the sure. guess, parallax of waves or whatever. That was just me trying to sound smart. <laughs> I, don't I don't think that's the right term. Uh, you were getting away with it if you didn't say anything. I should have just rolled with it, yeah. <laughs> You'll try again in a couple minutes. So Plus, if they I'm can gonna, move it, I mean, it's probably there's probably yeah, it's a probably whatever they need to. Part of the scientific strength of the GBT is its flexibility and ease of use, allowing for rapid response to new scientific ideas. It is scheduled dynamically to match project needs to the available weather. The GBT is also readily reconfigured with new and experimental hardware. That is not really the answer I was looking for. <laughs> yeah, that's I thought that so was the, vague. We can do a lot of things, including new things. <laughs> the Rockwell Turbo Encabulator. <laughs> do you think there's like a form somewhere where we can submit a request? Like, you know, for one oh, week. Tell we them could what to look at or listen to, I guess. Listen to. Is yeah. Like, I guess it's not like a transmitter, so we couldn't have them broadcast our episode, but. Yeah, I don't know. We could see what uh, Saturn sounds like or something. <laughs> I bet you I could guess. I've listened to it. It's really hard to tell like what it actually is because it kind of just sounds like there are recordings of like what Saturn sounds like, but it's just, it just sounds like static, basically. Oh. Because it's not... It's gas, you know, isn't it? Yeah. And they're just, I, you know, who knows what's making those radio waves? I certainly don't. <laughs> But it's not just being broadcast directly at us. It's just they're coming at us and we're reading them. Yeah. Unreliable. I got to be honest. 
Okay, well, here we go. Here's some discoveries. In 2002, uh, the DISH detected three new millisecond pulsars in the global cluster M62. In 2006, several discoveries were announced, including a large coil-shaped magnetic field in the Orion molecular cloud and a large hydrogen gas superbubble 23,000 light years away. I want to Oph- know... Oh, Ophiuchus superbubble. <laughs> I want to know what an electromagnetic coil is. Yeah, what's that? Coil-shaped magnetic field. How does that work? Yeah, because like we have a magnetic field around Earth, right? Because it's very big, basically, right? That like the gravity pulls. The magnetic field is made by the molten core spinning inside of. Oh, the okay. Wow. Woo. Uh, yeah. But, <laughs> but anyways, like that that shape probably makes sense given the shape of the planet. So the like, body. what the hell is making a coil-shaped? electromagnetic field those are the right questions (laughs) you're asking the right questions yeah well i was gonna i was about to say something about we're not going to get into it because of the scope of this podcast but one could make the argument that the universe is within our jurisdiction oh yes certainly certainly we'll get there by like season 33 yeah (laughs) which would be what 66 years from now (laughs) uh is that the pace no probably not but i would think yeah well whatever maybe like 45 years from now yeah probably because what was it six months off we took something like that yeah um okay let me try to transition my brain into this other the other (laughs) topic is is uh while kane transitions his brain i'll transition you the audience What I want you to do is close your eyes, lean back in your chair, and imagine yourself in a very warm, dry environment. Your lips start feeling a little bit chapped. (laughs) Your mouth starts to dry out. The back of your thighs, sweating, are sticking to your chair. Even if it's a cloth chair, it's that it's that hot. Damn, this sounds miserable. Your eyes are getting dry and red. You feel like every time you blink, you're scraping little tiny pieces of salt across your cornea. <laughs> I hope the people driving are doing this too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, I think I've done my job. Yeah, I'm ready. This is um, <laughs> this is a small little island that we're going to be talking about in in Italy that is uh, widely considered to be possibly the most haunted place on Earth. Oh <laughs> yes, dude! Oh my god! Uh, and it's really just this island had two monumental purposes, and both of them are horrific. <laughs> so now, and there is there's a story, sort of a, a bit of like. I guess you'd call it a, a myth about the place. My source is the newspaper, The Telegraph, so I, I felt safe including it. Yeah. The first time this island is ever mentioned, long before its nefarious uses, is in the year 421 A.D. That's pretty early. Of, certainly. The citizens of Padova, I think that's right, in Italy, moved there to flee invading barbarians. And residents stayed there for centuries. It slowly increased in population until 1379 when the residents all moved off. Yep. Sorry. I had to. You did the Plexar thing or whatever earlier. I had to flex. First off, what did you say? What was your flex? That I knew that that was when the plague was happening. Oh, is that not the reason though they had to leave? No, ah, and, but the plague is related, but not the Black Death. It is the bubonic plague, but not the outbreak in the 14th century. Ah, rats! So it's it's funny that you say that. They were all moved off the island due to also. Hold on, I you know it's, I guess it's not that far. I shouldn't I shouldn't 
poo poo you. I did <laughs> parallax was what I said. Plexor <laughs> sounds cool as hell though. Plexor. <laughs> uh, I want some of that. Whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. They moved due to invading Genoans. Oh, Genoan <laughs> fleet. Which I, the term I only know uh, from salami. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know where Genoa is, but I do know about Genoa. Salami. You know exactly what their weapons and armor were made yeah. from. <laughs> <laughs> Just salted meats flying through the air. <laughs> the legend of the Genoa warriors. <laughs> yeah. And um, after they moved out, centuries it went uninhabited. Oh. The the Doja, which was the basically the equivalent of a governor in Italy, the head of a state inside of Italy was called a doge, spelled like D-O-G-E, like that stupid fucking meme. <laughs> um, he even offered this island up to a group of monks, and they refused it. They did not want it. Oh. And so it stayed uninhabited from... 1379 until an anagram year 1793. Oh my god. When cases of the bubonic plague started popping up uh, coming from ships that were docking into Padova. So the they converted the island to a quarantine zone. And it stayed a quarantine not just for the bubonic plague but anytime they needed to quarantine people, they sent them to this island and it stayed that way until 1814. And uh, I don't know how. I guess everybody was getting sick as hell back then because in that in from 1793 until 1814, somewhere between 100 and 160 thousand bodies were buried in mass graves. Oh my god! Hold now, on a second. Yeah. Give me those years again. 1793 to 1814. Okay, now give me the number of bodies again. Let's go on, let's go on the high end. 160,000. Okay. That is National Geographic's estimate, by the way. That so. means that the owners and operators of this island would during that 21-year span have had to bury almost 21 bodies per day. Holy cow. That's a that's a miserable job. That's insane, dude. Are there still grave diggers, or do they use machinery now? I've only ever seen one dug with machines. What but, does that look like? Do they just use like a backhoe? Yeah. Or, okay. Yeah. I don't know. I think <clears throat> I don't want to be buried. I, I don't. I don't ever want to be buried. I don't want to be buried in a casket. Do you just want like natural burial, like yeah. your body in the dirt? That's yeah, cool. Yeah. That's actually kind of sick. Let me let me grow a tree or something. Yeah. But surprisingly, my strict Irish Catholic grandmother who passed away recently even got cremated. Wow. But yeah. is that is that allowed now? Or is it still I mean, I don't know. Like the only reason that I feel fine making that decision for myself is that like No, nah, never mind. I'm not gonna get into that. I don't know if that's allowed or not. Seems like something uh Pope Francis would have just been like, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> right. Like he's, he's, he's done that he's for a lot of things. The, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you want to do what? Yeah. All right. Whatever. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> Crazy kids. Yeah. Progressive Pope. Yeah. Now, after this, I think 1922. So it must've been uninhabited again from 1814 till 1922. But in 1922, all of the buildings were still there. Uh, the chapel and, you know, all of the medical facilities. And so the island was turned into a mental asylum. Oh, no. And the story goes that there was the, the director of the asylum was particularly fond of performing crude lobotomies uh. on uh, patients there. And he started to kind of lose his mind and felt that he was being haunted by uh, dead patients and eventually threw himself from the clock tower of the <sighs> chapel. Oh my God, dude. And so ever since then, the island has been closed off by the Italian government. Uh, no one is allowed to go there. So, I mean, 
that's got to be a weird place to be. Yeah. You know, I, I don't particularly believe in hauntings, but just <laughs> possibly in the, in the running for top five most malevolent places on earth. Yeah, I was about to just like offer up that that's up there with like Chernobyl. Yep. The Paris catacombs. Sure. <laughs> I mean, obvious number one spot is like, you know, Auschwitz-Birkenau. And, yeah. You know, yeah, but Tukau, like but I would toss this island right up there. It's in the same, uh, no yeah, hesitation. It's in the same conference, that's for sure. The same conference. They're all power five. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, Morbid. Yeah. The There's been a couple attempts to try to convert the island by private interest groups. And ah. Those have been shut down by either not enough money. The Italian government tried to auction off the island, but the highest bid was deemed not enough money. I don't know how you can do that <laughs> in an auction, but... Uh, and then sometimes the Italian government just says, no, we don't like that idea for the island. At but least, it's like, what do you do? I mean, yeah. they might as well... The buildings are still there. I feel like, you know, and this this island, by the way, it's not it's not far away. It's inside of the like bay of Padova. Like it's it's probably only like four hundred meters off the coast. You oh. can just see it from the beach. Oh, you can dude. see the island and the buildings on it. That's a ferry ride. Right? Yeah. There's there were some pictures close up. A photographer paid a a fisherman to take him by there, but I don't think he shared too much because he probably would have gotten arrested. Yeah. For, trespassing if he showed that he actually uh what do you like land grant made made land or what what is the what are you doing i lost track you know, what when you step foot on the land from the boat like you what is the term for that yeah you do, yeah phew, <laughs> who cares <laughs> um <laughs> i think yeah so the only thing that you can do Wait, how big is the island? Oh, it's not terribly large, but I'll get you an exact figure. Damn, I didn't even say the name. Yeah, it's called Paveglia, the oh. island. <laughs> I, I never mentioned that. <laughs> I thought it was just part of like the town. That it was near whatever, no. what, the other P town. Does it look like smaller than... Like, could it be its own town? A small one, but yes. There is enough room for all of the buildings you would need to have... A municipality. All right. So here's what the Italian government needs to do. Because there is no private use for that land. Like, because if you are some sort of private entity or corporation, you need to make money. And there's just nothing that will get enough people there to like justify the costs like that there's just no way that like yeah your revenue for a hotel or like a cruise destination is going to balance out the fact that nobody is going to want to go there for like a big cost so i think they could just treat it like like a public park almost and you just like you charge like five dollars or ten bucks for the ferry ride, and then once they're there, you just let people go and say like, "Here's the ferry schedule. Please don't get stuck on the island." Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Even if you don't make any money off of it, it could be it could be something. Yeah. <clears throat> Instead of a scourge. Yeah. The so I can't I can't find a size. I am looking at an aerial photograph of the island where everything is. Uh, marked like the buildings Ooh, and so there's the church the hospital the insane asylum the prison and housing and then that is that is probably 30 percent of the entire island and the rest is split up between two two open fields one is called the plague field and the uh, other much larger one is called the burning grounds uh, <laughs> if there's one 
If there is one sound that I need to hear moments before I am burned alive or dead, it's that. The sad trombone. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Not even the one with the notes held out like that. Just the little, like, lack of effort one you did two seconds ago. Sad clown horn. Yeah. Um, Dang, dude, that sounds so like such a creepy place, though. Like, I wouldn't even if somebody came up to me and they were like, "Hey, man, I'm selling these, you know, apples. Like, my orchard is on this island, and I found out about that island." I'd be like, "No, I'm not even touching one of those apples." Yeah, and I, I, you know, I bet that the reason it's closed off is is I I bet a big part of it is they just knew they're like, if we leave this open, we are going to have to deal with so many cult motherfuckers like Uh, people people practicing witchcraft coming over and trying to channel (laughs) the evil of the dead there (laughs) trying to raise crazies that would want to go see it yeah uh actually i I say that but i think let me go back to the page i think the show like ghost adventures might have gone there they probably got special permission definitely if it's hollywood so the island has been featured on the paranormal shows ghost adventures and scariest places on earth so maybe they just talked about it that doesn't sound like good television at all. That's just, that's <laughs> well, just what we're doing. I would say none of the show Ghost Adventures is good television. <laughs> I've only watched a little, but I'm pretty confident in that opinion. Fair enough. Well, you know, I got to say, it was it, it, this this has only probably been twenty percent actual episode, but. <laughs> we're we've made it a lot further than i thought we would yeah we stretched it out nicely so kane what's the moral of the story here (laughs) i I love that question (laughs) uh there isn't one and um well let's let's try to extract two morals from the first one that's minor league man i'm trying to come up with one moral that applies for both okay always be looking for treasure <laughs> uh, no no we already used that one. Oh shit yeah yeah you're right you're right you're right um cry you forgot to cross that one off the list <laughs> my pre-generated list of morals <laughs> that, I, that i can toss out at the end of the episode kane's morals yeah now that's good television <laughs> now I'm, I'm i'm honestly trying to think of maybe something that could apply to both. Oh. <laughs> Live free or die hard. Good enough for me. Does that work? Yeah. <laughs> Radio killed the plague star. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I love that. All right. Um, anything else? Do you want to impart on? Oh, should we should can, we say what what your idea is for the next one? Or yeah, dude, I can. Uh, yeah, that was exactly what I was thinking. Okay, so I can preview. Give you a tease. So as um, the article, the online article, which initially spurred me, spurred me onto this topic. Not a horse. Um, showed me to this topic <laughs> was an article. <laughs> this is really difficult. Uh, so. So I found this article on cracked.com and uh, it's the title is five of the most spectacular sceneries on earth parentheses that will murder you. Okay. Yeah. So, That's a very cracked.com article. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I picked one of them uh, and I, I researched further and it is a crazy scary place. It is called, it is a stretch of a river in uh, England, I think. I think you're right. Called, um, and, and a little piece of it is called the Strid. And I mean, a little piece, very literally, it's like a 20, 30 meter stretch of the most deadly body of water that I've ever heard of. Right, and not uh, not obviously so. It looks like oh, pretty no. small, like a babbling brook almost. Yeah, that's why it's so deadly is because people think it's nothing, and then they just their bodies disappear and get mangled underwater. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. So cool. yeah, that's that'll be next. Back with uh, 
the full squad probably i don't know if um i greg exists in this fugue state where he is he is the fourth mic but not always i don't know if is he a permanent member at this point who's just sometimes absent or is he a frequent guest ah you know that's tough to say because it's been like every other episode i think he's been on half since the first one he does bring an interesting dynamic yeah and um, yeah i don't know we could talk about it with the full full team because the other thing to think about too is if any of our friends ever take us up on the offer of being on the on for an episode if they come up with a topic that will be a very crowded episode well yeah because the problem we have is uh two people have done that and now they're both (laughs) members of the podcast so um, (laughs) it's tough to say how many people are going to be at this by the time we finally get to season 33 or whatever jesus man we're gonna have like yeah it'd be like one of those like 16 person zoom calls we just can't figure out what the hell is going on (laughs) All right, well, um, yeah. before we hit an hour, might as well Yeah, we got to get out of here right before that. Yeah. So uh, thanks for tuning in, boys and girls. <laughs> I heard you.